Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh? Welcome to Kith and Tell, a podcast where at least one of the four co-hosts has something interesting to say. <laughs> but don't bet on it. Uh, we'll be reviewing every episode with witty banter and unmissable segments like how hard it is to find a good anti-communist folk duo nowadays. Uh, I'm Kalina McCordoff in London, England, and I am joined by Han Seidemann in Prince Rupert, Canada. Hey! And Trevor Record and Stu Derekotic in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> I still like the Pokemon thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, I gotta get on that. <laughs> we'll be reviewing episode 16 of season 2, which aired on April 2nd, 1991. So let's kick off with our sketch rundown. We've got, one of these five men has something interesting to say, but they don't, and neither does the narrator. Yep. Uh, the Cincinnati Kid. Bruce is looking for the Toronto Kid. But strict succession rules mean he's about to get into fisticuffs with a newborn <laughs> baby. <laughs> Career-ending moments in show business part one. Anti-communist folk band called Leslie DeGaulle uh, Trio fails to make it big with their song Root About Joe about the 1950s anti-Russian McCarthy era. <laughs> Our new filler segment, 30 Second Stories, uh, narrated by Bruce and consisting of two, uh, Magnetic Joe and Going to the Zoo. Kind of um, the Time... Lady Bruce misinterprets Dave Foley's request for the time, resulting in us seeing the full arc of a pseudo-affair on that reused subway platform set. That platform. (laughs) Career-ending moments in show business part two. Uh, Dave Foley is a famous actress actress who accidentally thanks Hitler during her award acceptance speech. (laughs) Uh, Relaxing trip to the farm. How do you mentally escape from the stresses of work? Uh, Mark McKinney apparently takes a mental road trip to the farm and comes back to his office with a chicken in tow. I don't know why. This this really reminded me of Trevor for some reason. I feel like that's how he escapes, but we can talk about oh, that another no. time. Trevor would come back with a pig. He's our work pig. <laughs> work pig. Work pig. Yeah, I don't work in an office. <laughs> I know, but for You don't work at all. So you spend all your time on the farm. Um, this is rounded off by Scandalous Weekend. Uh, Scott Thompson's uh, Kathy secretary character decides to grab life by the horns and stumbles into a black disco club on a Friday night. She orders a triple zombie, gets picked up by a handsome banker, and teaches his friends a highland dance. She's a changed woman. <laughs> Uh, so our first segment, um, this is going to be a relatively quick one. We've got a new filler. So what's your verdict on Bruce's 30 second stories and how does it rank with your previous fillers, mini skits like 30 Helens, it's a fact and police department. Um, for me, in some ways it feels like a natural continuation from it's mm. a fact, uh, where we're getting a strange vignette about a random character. Uh, it's definitely creative and that kind of sort of puppet theater hasn't been done before in Kith, but I'm not really on the bandwagon yet. Um, I just find myself watching the time for 30 seconds to come up and realizing how long I have until it's over and the weird xylophone tinkling kind of grinds my gear. Wow. Oh, so mean. Kalina, I, I think you uh, you said it best in that it's creative, which means it's nothing like it's a fact or 30 Allens. Yeah. <laughs> I, I quite like this one and it's... Super, it's not super funny, but they're so weird. And like, yeah, it has the live puppet thing, and it, it really leans into the Bruce surrealism. So if we have to have filler, I'll take this filler. I don't want to play the condiment game anymore, but I like it. 
it's a nice pickle, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know, as a, as opposed to Helen's for me, I think like Helen's always seems kind of lazy to me. Whereas yeah. this seems the opposite. It seems like a lot of work and he's trying really hard. It's like, oh, Bruce is like really stretching out some muscles here and he's trying something very different. Um, and it is kind of like a very arty parody of a children's program. I think he's mm. like, it, it almost reminds me like Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse a little bit, like one of the little things they would do in that. Um, I think Magnetic mm. Joe is also really funny and good. Um, and the one about the zoo and looking... At animals in a dump is okay as well but um you know he's trying something new and i give him props for that and it's not filler in the sense that they're just like doing something easy and lazy yeah it's creative and it took a bunch of work yeah aren't, aren't they all in yeah i mean it, it is it is filler just in the sense of how long the bits right. are right but um but i i absolutely love the 30 second stories i it has such a distinct style that for whatever reason i really like so I, I love the old, poor film quality. It kind of gives it this gauzy kind of feel. And the accordion wheeze midway through always gets a laugh out of me. That just... <laughs> it's just a, some different woman with an accordion. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> just out of nowhere. I, it always makes me laugh. Uh, I feel like the whole bit is kind of an absurdist version of those Canadian Heritage Minutes or anti-drug PSAs from the 90s, except it's always vaguely sad stories told by paper cutout puppets. Um, I can't properly explain why I love it, but just all of those elements for some reason work for me, and I do, so interesting segment two (laughs) (laughs) discreet stops and starts (laughs) um so let's move on to a segment i'm gonna call do i look good in politics and we've talked about how the kids don't really delve into political satire um but having myself enjoyed career ending moments with the little old jab at anti-soviet sentiment from the 1950s i wanted to check whether uh reference to existing historical and contemporary world figures you know joe mccarthy the queen and hitler uh, suit the kids in ways that they've played to date. <laughs> Trevor. I feel like uh, they chose pretty broad topics, though, that aren't really necessarily all that political, or at least in the context of, like, the early 90s. Uh, Hitler suddenly turned more, much more topical and evergreen recently, but I feel yeah. like he was a pretty safe and non-political person to, to talk about back then. And Joe McCarthy is certainly fading from memory, but I think it was also broadly accepted that McCarthyism was bad. That's kind of weird, though, because when I, like, the Hitler one, I think is, it makes a lot of sense. It's really straight up. Not great to, like, uh, autocrats. Not not a thing that is super great. But uh, the McCarthy thing kind of threw me for a loop. It's a whole song. I'm like, but McCarthyism was very popular at the time. Like, it was only in retrospect that it wasn't. So I didn't make a lot of sense to me why that would be. Career ending at the time? Yeah. So I mean, damning. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the 50s, right? Like, maybe in the 60s if you were trying to be, like, a hippie duo, but... Yeah, I mean, McCarthy ended more careers because people were communists than he ended them because they liked him, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Without getting into the particulars of Joe McCarthy, because I will admit my knowledge of of the uh, the Red Scare days is, is not as strong as it could be, uh, I'll I'll focus instead on just that the Queen, Hitler, and Joe McCarthy aren't exactly hot-button political topics, even for the day in which those skits were made uh, in the 90s. And it's pretty easy to f- poke fun at the latter, too. Uh, so really, the only thing even mildly controversial is having a gay man play the literal Queen of England. But I don't see that as being all that political commentary so much as 
social commentary maybe i suspect that if they had done more political sketches they wouldn't have worked out so well um and i think that's partly why the kids have a timeless quality to them so i'm glad they largely steered clear of the topic there's nothing i mean i think one of the things that makes them stand out so well still 30 years after the fact is you can drop any of their sketches into today and it doesn't feel too dated necessarily right and it, and if it, if they'd been talking about the meech lake accord or you know you know uh <laughs> I was going to say Pierre Trudeau, but that's too early. I was going for uh, Jean Chrétien or whatever. It would have, it, it would have, it'd be like, who's this old guy again? What? So I'm yeah, glad I, they, I'm glad they didn't. It's interesting because it, I mean, if you if you follow any of the kids on Twitter now, some of them are quite political. Like at least it's very clear that um, Dave Foley and Mark McKinney don't mm-hmm. really like Trump, though. Again, uh, across the world, that isn't exactly <sighs> controversial. I think that's pretty common. <laughs> Scott, however, is a big fan. Scott Scott loves Trump, by the way. I just want that on the record. Scott's like a huge uh, Donald Trump fan. Actually? What? What? No, of course not. I'm <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, yeah, I really fell into that one. I can't. Is it weird that I would believe it, though? And I'm like, I don't know, man. This world's so fucking Yeah, weird. I'm like, hold on. <laughs> but using, using Joe McCarthy at, as the butt of a sketch comedy show from the 90s still seemed kind of... Um, I guess clever to me and forced me into a bit of a Wikipedia hole to remind myself how crazy the Cold mm. War was. <laughs> yeah, well, your family were communists, so maybe it hit you a little harder with you. <laughs> hey, hold on. Oh. We, that is th- that is a discussion for another is- <laughs> time. We're not. <laughs> if anyone wants to talk about Dukabors, send me an email. <laughs> um, send an email to contact at kithadel.ca. But there, but there must <laughs> yeah. have been a segment of their viewing audience, even in 1991, for whom Joe McCarthy wasn't exactly a household name. So to me, it seems like a concerted, witty and political angle we don't often see from the kids in the episodes to date. But I mean, if they're going to go for a kind of obscure political joke in the 90s before the internet exists, that's just like a bad joke. Because what are you going to do? Be like, hey, that joke probably is funny, but let me look in my encyclopedia to see what they say about Joe McCarthy. Like, <laughs> I mean, Mystery Science Theater was a thing back then. so I, Yeah, but they didn't just... go that obscure with their Oh, you totally references. needed a, a codex to get them. Some of them were references from like shitty B-movies from the 50s. Like they love deep, deep pop culture. I guess that's true. Yeah, good point. I guess, I guess maybe before the internet, people had more time and willingness <laughs> to like do deep dive research onto things beyond just like a quick Google search. Yeah, we've really lost a lot of that <laughs> in our modern age. Hey, listeners, like the show? Well, then follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, where we're at Kith and Tell Pod, or on Facebook at. Facebook.com slash Kith and Tell. We, as in Hans, post great <laughs> gifts from each episode and spout stark, snark rather at public figures. Again, we can blame Hans. Um, uh-huh. You can also email us at contact at kithandtell.ca and tell us what you think of the show. We'd love to hear from you and you might even get your email read on the show. Woo. I like that round of garbage singing. And finally, we've got to discuss the so-called scandalous weekend, where the bottom line is that Scott's secretary character, Kathy, ends up walking into a black dance club where she meets a man she loves and seems a changed woman. 
What did you make of this sketch uh, based on mixed race relationships and venturing into a culture not your own? Um, Scott Thompson, as we know, seems to do quite a few of these, but more problematically in the past, i.e. the one where he comes out as an inspiring Indian woman to his parents. Um, so yeah, what did you guys make of it? Hans? I mean, I liked it. I think if there was a butt of the joke here, it's that Kathy, the white woman, is sort of dabbing her toe into the exotic world of the Black Dance Club. Um, did any of you notice that she came into the office on Monday with cornrows in her hair? Well, they were braids, but <laughs> oh, I take, yeah. I take But they're those, like, like real, I don't know if they were braids, because didn't they have beads in them and stuff? Yeah, I think so. Isn't that a different thing? Anyways, I once had a college roommate who went to Cuba and came back with full oh, cornrows yeah. in her hair, which she left in for like a month. And I remember at the time feeling like it was just a case of a white woman having an exotic experience and trying desperately to hold on to it. And this feels largely the same. Um, so especially given her earlier description of her weekend plans being so boring by comparison, uh, I'm on board with this. It, fe it, it feels to me like it's punching up uh, at like Kathy, the white woman, not down at the patrons of the black disco club. <laughs> I think I, what I liked about it is like as soon as Kathy gets back into the office, like the other Kathy clearly doesn't even care about her weekend or this like scandalness of it because there's just some other like petty thing about like a small amount of cash being stolen. And <laughs> Kathy like immediately also just dogpiles on suggesting that the temp has stolen it too. And it's like whatever has happened in Kathy's weekend, it's just like, oh, it's forgotten because, oh, someone stole a small amount of money. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of elements of this, like being seduced in a club where she clearly isn't initially feeling like she belongs there, um, having apparently been brought up as a conservative <laughs> Mennonite in central Canada, and now working a long slog secretary job where she's questioning uh, her very existence. Um, but I love how bad she was at dancing at the end. She, like, teaches her man and all his friends mm -hmm. some Highland dance. But yeah, then there's that whole joke when she's uh, sleeps with him and is in bed where uh, they she talks about, like, feeling like a United Colors oh. of Benetton ad. And for anyone who doesn't get that reference, um, Benetton is the, this uh, fashion brand that uh, in the 90s, I think late 80s, uh, had a Uniting Cultures and Countries campaign where they'd show a couple people from vastly different backgrounds together. So there was like, I think a US and China one, US and Russia, or I guess USSR, uh, perhaps at the time, uh, Israel and Palestine, and then people from black and white cultures on a poster. Um, mm. So yeah, I mean, like Trevor, it, just, it did strike me as really positive kind of what you said, even at the ending, that you know, Kathy is worried about like what a scandal it would be that she's in a mixed race relationship, but instead the focus on the fact that the temp thirty bucks beef stole yeah. thirty bucks for a hat. <laughs> or didn't but Stu, yeah. what's your hot take? Yeah, I think you guys really covered pretty much all the things I wanted to say. Like it doesn't feel it it feels like it could have been handled poorly, but it there's nothing terribly objectionable or weird about it. Um I don't think I don't think it would have been that she's trying to, or that she feels like it's scandalous. Because if she felt like it was scandalous, I don't think she would have worn the cornrows in her hair to work on the Monday morning. To me, it feels more like oh, if fine. she had gone to if she had gone to France and like met a, a Frenchman named Jacques and smoked strong cigarettes and came back, she'd come back with a story about how sophisticated they Disag are. There. You know, like Disagree. the same Kathy kind of thing. Kathy with the C. C totally loves to stir shit and be like, oh, look at how bad I was. I hope nobody finds out and like has cornrows. But I, yeah, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think that's what, I, like, yes, but I also don't think that she'd be saying like, oh, look how scandalous I am. I think, yeah. Because I went to like some black, you know what I mean? I think it's just like her bar, her bar for what exotic is, isn't like, oh, I went to Italy and did this. It's like, I went 
downtown to mm-hmm. a club. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's it's more just like her life is so sheltered that that's that's her her exotic experience. You know. All right. Well, before we go, let's choose our standout sketch and worst sketch. Uh, Stu, why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, I kept having <laughs> dreams about the Cincinnati kid, and it's not a great skit, but I want to mention it again because I, I remember... I'm a Cincinnati kid! I like it. <laughs> Cincinnati kid! And, like, I couldn't... I actually couldn't remember what the skit was because I couldn't remember the name of the city. I could remember that it was Cincinnati. I just knew it was kid, and I heard that squeal, and I'm like, it's gotta be Bruce. <laughs> and this one came up, and I was so, so happy. Um, Cincinnati kid. I'm a Cincinnati kid. Actually, you know what? That probably is my favorite because the rest of them don't really jump out. But it's one of those <clears throat> 3.5 out of 5 this episodes for a- me where I'm like, the best one was like, fine. Mm. And the worst was probably... <laughs> uh i, I kind of didn't like root him out joe because it's like it's a fine song it's just i didn't think it's funny and i didn't really get why being anti-communist would be career ending when that mm-hmm. was how the world was <laughs> like, all right fair enough trevor um i think that maybe this is a good bruce episode and i i want to bring up uh the time which for me gets best to sketch um which is this one where mm. Uh, Bruce is in drag and gets asked the time is like oh don't even start and they have this kind of like (laughs) big romance that doesn't happen um, and it's very like melodramatic yeah it's I I don't know it's fun and it's 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 Bruce doing doing another funny lady character uh, and it gets three out of five out of five for me Um, but worse definitely goes to one of these five men which is just one of the worst kids in the hall sketches. Yeah. It gets like a, a half out of five. It gets zero out of oh. five for me. Zero out of five of these men had something oh. interesting to say. Well, okay, I I agree. Like, it really dragged on. But the fact that it just... The line at the end where it's like, No! It's too late! Fuck <laughs> off! <laughs> I, I just... I really enjoyed that. So it kind of... It like saved mm-hmm. it for me a little bit, but so I wouldn't say it's one of the worst of all time. Soft spot for an f bomb. It was one of those <laughs> ones where I was like, "Fuck you guys! You just stole two minutes of my time." <laughs> it was, it was, it was, uh, it dragged. Don't get me wrong. I'm not defending it as one of the best ever, but it, I don't think it was the worst ever either. Um, I, you know, uh, the time sketch. I'm, fu- I'm surprised you really liked it. I thought it was okay, but it was uh, every sketch this episode was either a three or a three and a half for me. And it was one of the threes. I said, it felt like a sketch straight out of theater school, Yeah. but the, so there were two episodes or two sketches that stood out for me this episode. Um, I, I gave uh, the scandalous weekend, a slightly higher rating just because there was a couple moments I really liked in it. The shot of Kathy going literally weak in the knees when her dance partner pulls her close really was great. Yeah. Um, her dancing with abandon really cracked me up. The dancing all around was really outdated, but also weirdly, I really liked the music. I don't know why it was a it was a a jam um i also loved her man lighting two cigarettes when they were in bed so i give it a gentleman four disco love boats out of five and the worst uh for me goes to the second career ending moments where dave's character thanks hitler it just didn't do anything at all for me it's just such a like it's such a basic and boring premise like oh yeah hitler's bad you know i don't i don't know why but there's one moment in there when um before she says the hitler bit uh where she references i think her director and that's kevin standing at the back or like her manager and he's like where he's wearing a full suit and he kind of just like holds out his arms to kind of present himself and it's just one of those moments where kevin kind of trying to present himself as a super confident character for some reason is hilarious Mm. But yeah, so I gave that one 1.5 Oscars out of 5. 
Um, so I'm gonna have to agree with you, Hans. I think the more I thought about it and replayed the the sketch of the scandalous weekend that it grew on me, the music was good. And I think I don't can, know why it was yeah. so good though. And I think you can either take as much or as little social commentary from it as you want, but either way, it's just a hilarious story about a sheltered woman whose weekend rendezvous can possibly be summed up by a fresh jumpsuit and hair braids. So four out of five triple zombies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did quite like career-ending moments in show business, the anti-communist version, so that gets runner-up. Um, and worst, as expected, goes the cold open. So I'll join you, Trevor. One out of five men on that So one. bad. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, well, that's it for our episode 16 review. Join us next week for episode 17, which will be hosted by Hayons. Hayons. <laughs> In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Kith and Tell Pod. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye. 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 Do, 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 do.